Bug Jargon by Victor Hugo Chapter 58 Rask followed us. The highest rock in the valley was yet lighted by the rays of the sun. A glimmer of light removed it for only an instant, and died away. The negro trembled. He grasped my hand firmly. Listen, said he. A dull sound, like the discharge of a piece of artillery, was heard, and was repeated by the echoes of the valleys. It is the signal, said the negro, in a gloomy voice. He continued, It is a cannon shot, is it not? I nodded as a sign of the affirmative. In two bounds, he sprang to the top of a lofty rock. I followed him. He crossed his arms and smiled sadly. Do you see that? asked he. I looked in the direction to which he pointed, and I saw the peak to which he had drawn my attention during my last interview with Marie, the one which the sun still shone upon, surmounted by a huge black flag. Here, Dauverny again paused. I learned afterwards that Biasu, in a hurry to leave, and thinking me dead, had ordered the flag to be hoisted before the return of the Negroes who had been dispatched to execute me. Bugjargal was still in the same position, his arms folded, and contemplating the fatal flag. Suddenly, he started, took a few steps as though to descend from the rock. God! God, my unfortunate comrades! He returned to me. Did you hear the cannon? he demanded. I made no reply. Ah, well, brother, it was the signal. They are leading them now to the place of execution. His head fell upon his breast. He came closer to me. Go, return to your wife, brother. Rask will guide you to her. He whistled an African air. The dog wagged his tail and seemed ready to set out toward the valley. Bugjargal grasped my hand and forced a smile, but this smile was convulsive. Farewell, he cried in a loud voice and dashed into the thicket which surrounded us. I was petrified. The little that I understood of the position made me fear the worst. Rask, on seeing his master disappear, advanced to the edge of the rock and raising his head, uttered a plaintive howl. When he returned, his tail was between his legs, his eyes moist. He looked at me with an air of inquietude. Then he turned to the spot from which his master had disappeared and barked several times. I understood him. I felt the same fears. I took a few steps to his side. Then he dashed off in pursuit of Bugjargal. I should soon have lost sight of him had he not every now and then halted to give me time to come up to him. We passed through many a valley. We climbed wooded hills and thickets. At last, Dauverny's voice failed him. An expression of despair covered his face. He could not find the words to continue his narrative. Thou continue, Thaddeus, said he, for I have no more strength than an old woman. The old sergeant was not less distressed than his captain, but he made an effort to obey him. With your permission. Since you wish it, Captain, I must tell you, officers, that Bugjargal, called Pierrot, was a tall negro, very strong, very gentle, very courageous, and the bravest man in the world, except you, Captain. If you please, 
I was terribly prejudiced against him, for which I will never pardon myself, though you, Captain, have forgiven me. So much so, Captain, that when we heard that your execution had been fixed for the evening of the second day, I flew into a furious rage with the poor fellow, and I felt a fiendish pleasure in informing him that his death would pay for yours, or that, if he escaped, ten of his men would be shot by way of reprisal, as they say, at this news. He said nothing, but an hour afterwards he made his escape through a great hole. Dauverny made a movement of impatience. Thaddeus continued. Well, when we saw the great black flag hoisted on the mountain, and as the negro had not returned, a fact which surprised none of us, with your permission, our officers ordered the signal gun to be fired, and I was ordered to conduct the ten negroes to the place of execution, called the Devil's Mouth, some distance from the camp. But that does not matter. When we reached there, you may believe, gentlemen, it was not to set them at liberty. I had them bound, as is the custom, and I paraded my firing party. When who should burst upon us but the tall negro? He was out of breath, with the speed that he had made. I arrived in time, said he. Good day, Thaddeus. Yes, gentlemen, he only said that, and he hastened to unbind his comrades. I stood there, stupefied. Then, with your permission, Captain. Captain, there was a good deal of generous argument between the other Negroes and himself, which might have lasted longer, but, well, it is no good hiding the fact. It was I that stopped it. He took the place of the blacks. At this moment, his great dog, poor Rask, he came and grasped me at the throat. He would have held me longer, Captain, but Pierrot made a sign to him, and the poor brute released me. But Bugjargal could not prevent him taking his place at his feet. Then I thought you were dead, Captain. I was in a fine rage. I cried. The sergeant extended his hand, looked at the captain, but could not say the fatal word. Bugjargal fell. A bullet broke the dog's foot. Since that time, gentlemen, and the sergeant shook his head sadly, since then, he has been lame. I heard groans in the adjacent wood. I reached it. It was you, Captain. A bullet had hit you as you were running forward to save the tall negro. Yes, Captain, you were wounded, and Bugjargal was dead. You, Captain, we carried back to the camp. You were not dangerously wounded, but you recovered owing to the good care of Madame Marie. The sergeant stopped. Dauverny, in a solemn voice, continued. Bugjargal was dead. Thaddeus bowed his head. Yes, said he. He spared my life, and it was I who killed him. <laughs>